for the kingdom and the success of this meeting. You told us in Mark 16 that these signs shall follow them that believe. And therefore, Lord, fifth day, let the signs begin to manifest. The sick be healed. The demon possessed be set free by your power, your name, and your blood. The barren be healed and receive children. The jobless receive favor from you to go and have job. And remember the singles who are ready to marry. Release grace upon them. Stand in the pulpit one more time, Lord. And speak to us tonight. For in your name, Jesus the King, we are prayed with thanksgiving. Amen. Please be seated. Our television audience, good evening and thank you for joining us. Our online audience, YouTube, Facebook, God richly bless you for joining. And like I always say, thank you for your data. May the Lord give it back to you in hundredfolds. Good evening, those of you at the satellite site in front of the King's Palace. God bless you for joining tonight. Good evening, those who are here. Let me greet our international audience in the name of Jesus. All those watching us from North America, good afternoon. May the Lord bless you. Australia, it's already Monday. May the Lord be with you as you watch us. God bless you. Asia, God richly bless you. Those watching us from that continent. Africa, good evening. Blessings of the Lord be with you for joining us tonight. Europe, God bless. Thank you for tuning in. And all other continents that I may have forget forgotten South America, I should say, God bless you for tuning in tonight. We are here for the king's business, nothing but Jesus. And our test book, as we have used for the past five days or four, is the Holy Bible. May I make two requests quickly so that you do for me. Those of you who have access to the YouTube channel and the Facebook channel, kindly begin to share on all the platforms you are on. It is your responsibility by the king to spread the message so that people can watch. Those watching television, respectfully please call people, send WhatsApp messages asking them, to tune in to Hope Television and watch. Whatever means you can use to invite someone, please do. We are now entering into the deep of the message, the most deepest of all. Starts from tonight till we close on Saturday. So please kindly join us 
wherever you are. Somebody called me this afternoon and asked the question, and I think that it is important I answer before we go on. Kindly take your Bibles, kindly make available your writing materials so that you can make notes. A gentleman called me this afternoon and asked, Pastor, does it mean that those of us who worship on Sunday are lost? Very, very important question I will answer by God's grace. And then he asked another question. Pastor, is it that our pastors, reverend ministers, bishops, archbishops, etc., they don't know these truths, or they know, but they have decided not to tell us. Let me start from the last question. Frankly speaking, and by experience, interacting with some of them, some of them don't know. They don't. But there are some who know. But it is a challenge for them to now reveal this truth because by revealing, they are telling you, you have to leave this church or we have to close down this church. I don't have his permission, so I can't mention his name, but I can share the story with you. I met a top reverend minister. He's my friend. And he told me, after we've had discussion about the day of worship, he told me, Pastor, it is true. You guys have the truth. So I asked him, Reverend, so why are you not joining us? And then he said, look at where I have reached in my church hierarchy. It will be difficult. The day I will leave, a lot of people will be disappointed. And a lot of people may leave that church and it may collapse the church. So please pray for me when I retire. The Lord knows my heart. I will join you guys. So some of them do know. But because of their position and because of what they stand to lose, it is difficult for them to leave. And there are some of them they don't know. Question number two. Pastor, so those of us who keep the Sunday, are we all lost? No living human being is lost. As long as you are briefing, as long as you hear the truth, and by God's grace through the Holy Spirit conviction, you are willing to change your mind. You are not lost. You can be saved. Don't forget, keeping the Lord doesn't save. It is Jesus who saves. And when he saves you, when you believe in him, and you enter into a covenant with him through baptism. You become a citizen of his kingdom. And we have studied that citizens are supposed to obey their king. So it is a sign of loyalty, respect, and honor to keep the law of the king. Unfortunately, Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 7. The verses 13 and 14. It's not on the screen. I'm reading from the Bible here. 
Enter ye in at the narrow gate. Some translation says straight gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that lead to destruction. And many there be which go in thereafter. 14 says, because narrow is the gate and straight is the way which lead unto life, there are few people that go through it. In other words, so many people, because of whatever reason, will choose, even after they've heard the truth, to still practice what is a lie. So the young man who called me, I promised I will answer. You have heard the truth. Share with your pastor. Share with your church members. It is possible they don't know. When you share with them, don't stay there. Come and join God's people who are keeping by his grace all the Ten Commandments. Every night we will attempt to answer two questions, and then we'll launch into our message. Again, be reminded that we are live on Hope Television, YouTube, and Facebook. God richly bless all those who are watching. Yesterday, we said, by God's grace, that there is no country that is governed by grace or mercy. All the do's and don'ts, all the laws and the bylaws of every country were made or are made by the people for themselves in order to regulate the conduct of the citizens. In a democracy, we have said the laws, the code of conduct, etc., etc., doesn't necessarily come from the president, it comes from parliament. Parliament passes law. Then the president will sign the law. And then it becomes operational. But when it comes to a kingdom, the words of the king become the laws of the land. So when these kings speak in their various jurisdiction or domain, their words become king, become the law. When we're coming this evening, my son was reminding me the noise, the ban on noise making and drumming will start in May. I don't know whether he's correct. It is the law of the land of the guns. When Garmanche speaks that in May, no noise, no drumming on my land. That's it. If you are powerful, challenge it. And we'll see who owns the land. So kings are powerful. And our blessed Lord Jesus, who is the king of all kings and the Lord of all laws, has spoken and has written his laws on rocks, two tablets of stones. And it stands forever until he changes it Nobody can change it. And the law is a chain. And because it's a chain, when you keep one and neglect nine, you are guilty. You keep nine and neglect one, you are still guilty. Yesterday we said a good citizen 
is someone who keeps the rules, the regulations, the laws of the Republic of Ghana. If we are looking for a good citizen of this country, it's not someone who flouts the laws of this republic. It is someone who obeys, who listens, and who does what Ghana requires of its citizens. Yesterday we said Lucifer was a citizen of heaven. He lost his citizenship as a result of disobedience. Pastor, how did he do that? He rebelled against only one or disobeyed only the tenth of the Ten Commandments, which says, don't be covetous of what somebody has. Lucifer the devil became envious and covetous of God's throne. A creature wanted to be the creator. And as a result, after so many pleas for him to change his mind, he didn't, and he was cast out of heaven. So let no pastor, let no bishop or catechist or an elder tells you that you can keep nine and do away with one, which is the Sabbath, Saturday worship. The Lord will still save you by grace. It is a lie. It is not true. It is called cheap grace that the devil is behind that, making a lot of people preach it from all pulpits. So the young man who asked the question tonight, some pastors are aware, but because they will lose their members, they have decided not to tell the members the truth. Some of them genuinely, they don't know. This afternoon, I had a call from some of my Catholic priest friends. Three of them have been watching and they told me you are at it again. And I said, but you know it is the truth. They agreed and said, yes, we know it's the truth, but keep praying for us. So some know, some of the bishops, etc. They know the truth, but because of their position, etc. It is difficult for them to live now. The Ten Commandments is immutable because it was written by God, Exodus chapter 24, verse number 12 we've quoted. I am just doing a quick review, then we'll launch into tonight's message. Exodus 24, verse number 12. Then the Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain and be there. And I, the king, Jesus, will give you tablets of stone and the law and commandments which I have written, Moses did not write it. So if anybody tells you Moses wrote it, it's a lie. That you may teach them. And that is what by his grace, he's been teaching us for the past five days. There are over 2.38 billion Sunday worshippers in the world. I'm repeating that. 2.38 billion Sunday worshippers in the world they are not lost yet if they hear this truth and since they are hearing this truth if they change their mind and join the kingdom through covenant with the lord through baptism and receive god's grace to obey him 
any one of them who is willing will be saved. However, if they hear, and since they are hearing, and they still choose not to, that one on the judgment day, God is going to deal with such individuals as he dealt with Lucifer. So 9 out of 10 is still equals to 0. Yesterday there was an argument that it was given to the Jews. By God's grace we refused that argument. We answered and said God gave that sacred day of the kingdom. Every kingdom has sacred day. God gave the seventh day sacred day to the first human beings he created. Adam and Eve. So it was not for the Jews. And therefore we said yesterday, assuming God gave to to the Jews, then it means adultery is not wrong. Stealing is not wrong. If you disrespect your parents, it's not wrong. Because God gave it to the Jews. Arm robbery, not wrong. Prostitution, not wrong. Murder, not wrong. Etc., etc., not wrong. You can go to Benin or anywhere and go for power from Lucifer. Make yourself wealthy, rich. Buy all the cars, build all the mansions. There is nothing wrong. You are worshiping another God. When Jesus comes, he will still save you. No, he didn't give it to the Jews. He gave it to humankind. And we said yesterday, everything Christians are doing currently, God gave it through the Jews. For example, we mentioned baptism. John the Baptist was a Jew. He started baptism. Jesus was a Jew. Matthew was a Jew. John was a Jew. The Bible writers were Jew, Jewish. Tithe and offering came from Jews. Abraham, who gave the first tithe, was a Hebrew or a Jew, if you please. And therefore, this entire book, the Holy Bible... 40 men wrote them. All of them were Jews. And therefore, it's Jewish book. Don't read it again. If God gave it to Jews, don't deal with Jewish book. The Bible calls the day, the Lord's day, or the Sabbath of the Lord. So it belonged to Jesus. Yesterday, there was another argument that says, can't we choose any other day instead of the seventh day? We said, no, you can't. Because Ghana gained independence on 7th March, 1957. His Excellency, the President of our Republic, can never ever change it. Parliament cannot do that. The judiciary can't try and it won't work. If you were born, for example, on 20th April, 1980, and you go and you request for passport, and the passport, you change your date of birth, and make it 20th April 1979. You are not an honest person. So it can be changed. If anybody tells you it can be changed or it has changed, that individual is dishonest. Tonight, we'll look at a subject, more evidence by the kingdom. Kindly bow down your head wherever you are and let us pray. Lord Jesus, please, not I. So please stand here and defend what you wrote and defend the kingdom. I ask in your name. Amen.
So we'll continue from yesterday to give much more evidence that the seventh day, which is part of the Ten Commandments, which is Saturday, not Sunday, is still valid. Question, Pastor, the seven-day Sabbath, I believe, has been lost over the centuries since God created the world up until now. I believe that that Saturday, seventh day, has been lost over the years. The answer is, who is saying so? If you have evidence in the Bible to show it, because it is the Bible only, come and give us the quotation, and I am promising you as a pastor, if there is an evidence here, I will leave where I am and join you to worship together. Why? Because I want to be saved when Christ comes. I want to be a loyal citizen. I want to be his loyal citizen. And therefore, there is nowhere in the Bible that you can find a single quotation that says that it's been lost. As a matter of fact, I'm responding. Astronomers, individuals who go into space, and historians, they tell us that since God created the world, the weekly cycle, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, has never changed, and it will never change. It has been there since God created the world. It hasn't changed, and it is not lost. It is still the same since God created the world. Most or almost all encyclopedia in the world agree to this. If you don't agree to this, let us ask the Jews. Currently in our world, the Jews are the only sect of people, allow me to say that, that God has preserved them since he made a covenant with Abraham. He has preserved them. He has decided that they will not be exterminated, all of them, no. So that they will continue to be the individuals in the world who will preserve his truth. When you go to Israel, as I'm speaking to you now, every Saturday, it is the seventh day, the Jews rest from 3 p.m. thereabout. They go into their synagogue to go and read the Torah, more or less worship God. So those of you who have gone to Israel before, you are my witness that it is true. You can also find out from the Jews if you meet anyone that which day is the seventh day and do they still practice it? And they will tell you they still do that. Assuming it has been lost, when Jesus came, I am confident that Jesus would have restored it. But when Jesus came, it was still the same. And that is why in Luke 4 verse 16, even Jesus himself, when he came, he went to church on the seventh day, not the first day. We'll talk much about that. There is a historian, a UK historian. His name is Dr. William Mead Jones. He did an entire analysis of 160 languages in the world. That which of these languages refers to the seventh day as the Sabbath day. Please listen to me carefully. I'm taking my time. A doctor, a PhD holder, did a study about 160 languages in the world. 
he wanted to find out which of these 160 languages refers the seventh day to as the Sabbath day. And guess what? Out of the 160, he was able to discover 108 of them refers the seventh day to as the Sabbath day or Saturday. I hope you are understanding. Let's continue. Just a while ago, about two or three weeks ago, the whole world, except the Seventh-day Adventists, celebrated what is called Easter. On Friday, they call it the Crucifixion Friday. My friends who were Catholics went to church on that Friday because Jesus was crucified. And then on Sunday, all Christian denominations celebrated Resurrection Sunday. Question is, which day is between Friday and Sunday? Automatically, it is Saturday. Luke chapter 24, the verse 1, the verse 5, and the verse 6. Nowhere in the Bible are the days mentioned. As Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, etc. But the Bible uses the word first day, second day, third day, fourth day, fifth day, sixth day, and the seventh day. And the seventh day is the sacred day of the kingdom of heaven. We just established that on the crucifixion Friday, some Christian denomination, including my Catholic friends, went to church. And then on Sunday, Easter Sunday, we call it Resurrection Sunday. All Christian denominations went to church wearing white. Why? Because Jesus had resurrected. Bible says in Luke 24, the verse 1, the verse 5, and the verse 6. Now on the first day of the week, we are establishing which day did Jesus resurrect. Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning. Day and certain other women with them came to the tomb where Christ was buried, bringing the spices which they had prepared. And then the angels asked them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. All Christian denominations call Easter Sunday the resurrection Sunday, and Bible says. Jesus resurrected on Sunday. Bible calls that Sunday the first day of the week. This is Bible. It's not as simple. I hope you understand me. And I hope you are not angry. Yesterday I said, truth hurts, but it heals. One scholar says, an honestly mistaken person. When he hears the truth, two things must happen to the person. Either he continues to be mistaken or he ceases to be honest. When you hear the truth, you are honestly mistaken. When you hear the truth, you either maintain what you know already and continue to be mistaken or you change so that you become honest. Bible says the first day of the week a Sunday. And all Christians celebrate Easter Sunday as a resurrection Sunday. What day is between Friday the crucifixion 
and sat Sunday the resurrection. It is Saturday. So let's start counting from the first day. Since the Bible says Christ resurrected on the first day. So first day is Sunday. Second day is what? Monday. Third day. Tuesday. Fourth day. Wednesday. Fifth day. Thursday. Sixth day. Seventh day. This is common. With the greatest respect. This is common sense. There should not be any argument about it. And the Bible has made it so clear that it is the only day in the world that God blessed, God sanctified, God hallowed it. May I respectfully ask the protocol, respectfully those who are standing, give them a seat for me. I want them to listen. Standing and listening is a challenge, but when they sit, it goes well. If you are still not convinced, permit me to take you to the Akans, the Akan ethnic group. The name they give to God is not Kwesi, it's not Kweju, it's not Yao, it's not Kweku. The Asantis in particular call God Chediam Kwame, not Chediam Kwesi. Not Chadian Pon Kweku, not Chadian Pon Yao, because they are cans. Before the white man came and brought this modern Christianity, we're still worshiping God on Saturday, so they call God Chadian Pon Kwame. Saturday God. Not Kwesi, because our forefathers knew him by this, that his day is. Saturday. If you still don't get it. Why do we call the white man Kwesi Bruni in a local dialect? You will never hear anybody call any Bruni white man Kweku Bruni, Kofi Bruni, Yao Bruni, etc. Bruni. But all Abrafo, we call them Kwesi Bruni. Why? Because before they came, our great-grand-great-great-grandfathers knew God as the Saturday God. When the white man came and introduced Sunday worship to us, then they referred to him, the Kwesiada Bruni, the Sunday white man. Because our people did not know anything about Sunday. It was not a day of worship. That is why they call them Kwesi Broni because he brought Sunday worship. I hope you understand it. Okay, Pastor, I'm, 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 I'm getting it. I'm getting it. You are trying to con- convince me. I'm getting it. But Pastor, it's not possible that when Jesus died, the apostles changed the day of worship from Saturday to Sunday. If you can prove from the Bible, I will join you and we'll all crusade and worship God on the first day of the week. But there is no proof in this book. How can lawyer apostles change what their king had written? How possible? These are possible apostles were loyal to Jesus. And when Jesus was living, he did not tell them to change it. So how could they? 
if you can prove it from the Bible that Peter changed it, Paul changed it, the rest of the apostles changed it, I'll follow you. But if you can't prove it, then sister, brother, I am teaching nothing but the truth. Go and share, write the quotations, share the link with your pastor, with your bishop. Ask him questions. I did a program somewhere. We talk about this. And three Catholic young guys send the video to a top archbishop. He couldn't answer them. All that he told them was, yes, we can worship God any day. We can worship God any day. I understand. But there is one day that the king has established that during that day, nobody should do anything but full day worship and rest. That's it. That's what we're talking about. It's not, can't we worship God any day? No. We can worship, fine. But there is one day that the kingdom has established that on that day, the king should be served officially. It can't be changed. Okay, pastor, can you prove it from the Bible that the apostles continue to worship God on the seventh day, the official worship day of the king when Christ died. Acts 13. The verse 14. The verse 15. And the verse 16. Please listen. I'm taking my time. But when they departed from Pega, this is Dr. Luke who wrote the book of Acts, reporting. They came to Antioch in Pisidia and went into the synagogue. You can replace it with church building. On the Sabbath day, Jesus had died and gone. They are still continuing what is the official day of worship. They went into the synagogue on the Saturday, on the Sabbath day, and sat down. Listen. And after the reading of the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue, in other words, the district pastor, the elder in charge of the church building, sent to the apostles saying, Men and brethren, if you have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. Then Paul stood up and motioning with his hand, said, Men of Israel and you who fear God, listen. It continued. Let me give you another proof from scripture. Acts 13, 42 and 44. Acts 13, 42 and 44. So when the Jews went out of the synagogue, the Gentiles begged that these words of Apostle Paul might be preached to them the next Sabbath, not the next day, which is Sunday. Look at the difference. They could have asked Paul and his people, you have spoken to us this Saturday, the seventh day. Why don't we meet tomorrow so that you continue? No, because it was not their practice. It was not their custom. They said, could you come back and speak to us the next Sabbath? Listen to what happened. And on the next Sabbath, almost the whole city came together to hear the word of God. And it was preached by the apostle Paul. They did not meet on Sunday. They could have requested a Paul. We want the thing to be serialized. We want to hear more. So, you have spoken on this Saturday. Please, let's meet tomorrow. But they said the next Saturday, and the Bible says, 
The next Saturday, the news spread through the entire Osu. So the entire Osu citizens came to Bethel that they want to hear what Paul taught the previous Sabbath. Pastor, we need more proof. Acts 17, 1 to 4. Acts 17, 1 through to 4. Now, when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue, you can replace it with a church building, of the Jews. Then Paul, as his custom was, because he cannot change it, he came to meet it. It is the official day of the kingdom. Paul, as his custom was, went into them in the synagogue. And for three Sabbaths, first Sabbath, second Sabbath, third Sabbath, reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and demonstrating that Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead and saying, this Jesus, who is the king, whom I preach to you, is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded, and a great multitude of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women joined Paul and Silas. In other words, they accepted Christ as their king. They were baptized and they became members of the church. Three Sabbaths continue. Paul couldn't change it. He could not change it because he did not establish it. And he was a loyal citizen of the kingdom and therefore he has to obey the king. This only Jesus can change it. And he hasn't done that. Pastor. Okay. Well, my, my, my pastor says that we shall be saved by grace. You have been emphasizing law. What about that? We shall be saved by grace. Please give me some time tonight. Because this is where the deception from the devil. This is the test. Peter was the apostle Jesus handed over the church, so to speak, that he should be the leader when he was leaving. Peter himself says that he cannot confirm, compare himself to Paul. The kind of grace, wisdom, knowledge, ideas God gave to Paul, he, Peter, doesn't come close. So when Peter was writing in 2 Peter, 2 Peter, chapter number 3, verse 15 to 16, Peter says, let me warn anybody who will attempt to read Paul's writing, the kind of wisdom God has given to that guy, be careful you don't misinterpret him. You can read Paul's writing and you may think that Paul means this, but he doesn't mean that. Pastor, read it to our hearing. 2 Peter 3, 15, 16. And consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. As also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, listen to this, in which are some things hard to understand, which the untaught and the unstable twisted to their own destruction, as they do also to the rest of the scriptures. Pastor, what does it mean? Peter is saying, the kind of wisdom and knowledge God gave to Apostle Paul, 
and his writings. Those who don't understand, those who are not controlled by the Holy Spirit, they are easily deceived by misinterpreting it. So be careful when you are reading Paul's writing. So, this is the test that my people quote to defend that there is no need for us to obey God. We are saved by grace. You can go to church and still have amulet around your waist. You can go to church and still join occult group. You can go to church and drink. You can go to church and fornicate, prostitute. You can go to church and be an arm robber. We are saved by grace. God will save you. This is the test. Ephesians 2 verse 8. Please listen to me tonight. And let's explain it. This is Paul. Don't forget, Peter has just warned us about his writings. He was not an ordinary apostle, so to speak. Wisdom, revelation, insight, extraordinary. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. This is it. As I explained. The foundation of God's throne is justice and truth. Bible says mercy goes before him. Implication, when you sin, justice demands that you should be punished. Because God is fair and just. Whenever you sin, his foundation, the, the throne's foundation is justice. And mercy and holiness. It demands that you should suffer for what you did. Then mercy comes in and says, Let me take the punishment and let him go scot free. And then grace comes in and says, Since mercy has taken your punishment, let me give you power. To be able to obey. So that next time you don't repeat your mistakes. Let me explain again. So that you understand. Mercy. Is when. You do wrong. And you are supposed to be punished. And. Someone says. I have either forgiven you. I won't punish you. Or somebody takes over your punishment. And suffer for you. And that is why those of you who are lawyers. And those of you who goes to court. Sometimes when the lawyers are pleading, they use this statement, your honor or my Lord, can you temper justice with mercy? Because justice demands that the person has done something wrong. He should face the full rigors of the law. But here comes mercy. Mercy says, I've forgiven you. Go scot-free. And then grace comes in, which is the Holy Spirit. He says, let me give you power so that you will not repeat the mistake again. Tell me, in these processes, what has been your contribution? Nothing. You contributed nothing to your freedom. We sinned. God asked us not to eat certain fruit in the garden. Adam and Eve ate it. Justice demanded that they should die eternally. They should go to hellfire to, together with the devil. And then Jesus represented by mercy, told his father, Father, punish me instead of punishing them. And the father says, 
if you want to take the punishment, cool. Then we were left off the hook. And when Jesus took our punishment, and when he was leaving, he told us, I will not leave you as orphans. I am going to send the Holy Spirit. And when he, will, he comes, he will live in you, and he will be in you. He will give you power so that you can overcome. In this process, tell me, what has been the human being's contribution? And that is why Paul says, it is not of your works, lest anyone should boast. Justice says, you should be punished. Mercy says, I've taken the punishment. Grace says, let me help you because you can't do it on your own so that you can succeed. Tell me, what has been your contribution? Nothing. So saved by grace simply means God will spare you because of what Jesus, the king, did on Calvary Tree. Whatever sin you have committed, whatever sin you may commit, Jesus has atoned for them. And therefore, you have no contribution in the process. God demanded that by his justice, you should be punished. Jesus said, put the punishment on me. Let him go free. And then Jesus gives the Holy Spirit to you so that you'll be able to live the Christ-like life. You have contributed nothing to it. Look at those who are watching television. Look at what is on the screen. Jesus paid for the debt we owe by sinning. Whatever sin you have committed that are still on your record, if you repent tonight and ask Jesus to forgive you, his blood is an everlasting blood. It will atone for you, he will forgive that is mercy. You don't, you no longer suffer the punishment. Then he gives you his righteousness, which alone grants us legal right to stand before God. Only Jesus has it, and it is imputed. So the righteousness that saves us is not worked for, it is imputed by Christ to everyone who accepts him as his Lord and personal Savior. And enter into a covenant with him through water baptism. He gives you his imputed righteousness. Which God accepts. And then gives you the Holy Spirit. And tell the Holy Spirit. Please help him. Because he is weak. So that he will be able to obey me. That's it. So the saved by grace. That is what it means. I was to suffer. Somebody took my punishment. And that same person has given me power. Not to repeat it again. I have contributed nothing through the process. So it is free gift by God. Amen. Because Jesus did not die to legalize sin. No, he didn't die to legalize sin. If he died to legalize sin, oh, please then let's close. Let's close then. Today is uh, Sunday. But now, some of the pubs and some of the nightclubs are open. Let, let, let's go and take some alcohol. Let's go and chill. You know, Because he died to legalize it. You can do whatever you like and you still go to heaven. Yesterday I mentioned it. That Lucifer was a citizen. One of the commandments, number 10. That says that don't convert what belongs to somebody. He converted God's position. And God threw him from heaven. He disowned him together with the of the angels. And your pastor is telling you we are saved by grace. And therefore you can do away with what God has said. God's commandment, he has nailed it to the cross. You can go to church and do whatever you like. 
Okay. Let's see if God who sent Lucifer from disobeying one commandment will come and take you there. So James 2, 17 to 24. Thus also. If somebody says, I have faith in Jesus and he doesn't demonstrate that by practicality, by obeying Jesus, that person's faith is dead. That's also faith by itself. If it does not have works, it's dead. Show me faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You see then that a man is justified by obeying God and not by faith alone. So I have faith in Jesus. Then let me listen to the king. Whatever he tells me, let me obey. Having faith in Jesus alone is not enough. You must show by being obedient to what the king says. And it is in the Bible. So in Revelation chapter 22, the verse 12. And behold, I am coming quickly. And my reward is with me. To give to everyone according to how he or she has lived his or her life. So young man, drink, smoke, join called groups for power, fame, money, chill, drive the best of cars. According to your works, when he come, payday, he will pay you accordingly. But if you say, he is my king, and therefore whatever he tells me, I am dependent on his grace to obey and to live. He says when he comes, he will pay you accordingly. God is not going to allow any disobedient person like Lucifer to enter heaven. No, it won't happen. If that is going to happen, then Jesus is not fair. He's not fair. Because you suck the devil and the one third of the angels, you suck Lucifer for disobeying you. So why are you taking us there when we don't obey you? It wouldn't be fair. So it's not about keeping the Lord to be saved. Your savior is the king. When you accept him as your king and your Lord, you go through the watery baptism and then he gives you his grace and his righteousness. You become a citizen and by that, as a good citizen, you obey your king. You have already been saved. It's not by keeping the Lord that makes you saved. You have been saved by the king. You are a citizen in his kingdom and therefore you abide by what he says. Last two days or yesterday, I mentioned it. If you are not a Ghanaian and you don't live in Ghana, you live in Togo. Ghanaian laws doesn't bind you. You don't care about that. But as long as you live in Ghana, you go by our laws or else the law will deal with you. So, ladies and gentlemen, oh, not now. All, not nine, must be obeyed. So, don't have any God apart from me. Don't misrepresent my name. Don't, uh, what is the third one? Don't misrepresent, don't have any other God. The second one, third one, don't misrepresent my name. Fourth one, on Saturday, 
worship me. It is the official sacred day of worship. Then the other six, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't bear false witness, don't covet your neighbor's property. These ten, if God gives you the Holy Spirit to dwell in you and he's with you, tell me what shows that you can't keep them. Jesus knows that we cannot and that is why he gives grace, power, what we can't do. He enables us to do them. Revelation. Chapter 14. Verse now 12. My brother. I won't lie to you. I told you yesterday. I was a Methodist. Full one. Born and bred. But when I realized that. The fourth one. Which is the seventh day. The official worship day. Is true. It has not been abrogated. I left the Methodist church. Pastor, do you mean that when you become SDA, you go to heaven? And there's the people watching. Listen to me carefully. Many SDA people, I won't say some, many, who, when they are even worshiping on God's holy day, they don't live by this book, they will go to hell. Including pastors, myself inclusive. If I am worshiping, and by grace, we are worshiping God on his holy day. If I don't live according to this book, God will not spare anyone. He doesn't have favorites. He doesn't respect. God has no respect for anyone, so to speak. God is no respecter of persons. That is what I mean. So being a member of the SDA church, worshiping God on Saturday, which is the official day, is not enough. If you don't live by this book, by his power, the Holy Spirit, obedient to his word, you will find yourself with a devil in hellfire. It is true. If you are a pastor, an elder, a church member, listen to me carefully. This is true. But you come. You didn't know. You have heard it. Come and join. And ask God for grace to enable you to leave this. According to the king's commands. And on the judgment day, he will reward you accordingly. I know there is people, some of you are angry. But that is the truth. I can't say any other. Church membership doesn't make anybody a Christian. It is living by the words of the king. That's it. So Saturday, coming Saturday, my brother, we are going to baptize those who are going to covenant with the Lord. Baptism is a covenant. It's not just that I'm going to enter water and get out. No. You are covenanting with the Lord that as long as you live, you are donating this body back to him. And the rest of your life, he should be in charge of your life. We'll do it here. Baptism. Jesus will be present. In fact, since we started, he's been here every night. Tonight he's here. In the baptistry grave, he's going to be there. And when you are coming out, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And then you begin to live according to this book. Everyone who will be baptized on Sabbath, by God's grace, I'm going to give you a Bible. Don't come and baptize because of the Bible. Because baptism is a serious thing. But I'm giving you the constitution so that you know what to do and what not to do. If I baptize you and I don't give you the constitution, how are you going to live, live your life? 
You need to have the constitution and then read it. Know what God wants you to, wants you to do each blessed day. It's a covenant. Bible says those who will enter are those, Revelation 14, 12, who keep the commandments of God. It's Bible. And they have the faith of Jesus. I'm closing. Payday is coming. Remember, we have studied in this series that in every kingdom, the king rewards and the king punishes. Payday is coming. King Jesus is coming again to reward and to punish. He will reward those who are obedient to his words and he will punish those who are not obedient to his words. I have spoken nothing by his power, by his grace, but the truth. You have the choice to either obey or not to obey. Tonight, I want us to cast a vote for these two kings. By the way, Lucifer is the king of the kingdom of darkness. And Jesus is the king of the kingdom of light. I want us to vote for the two of them. And then we go. How many of you tonight want to say devil, Lucifer, regardless of what the pastor has said, many one be I'm going to die with you. I will not mind him. If you are watching television, please raise your hand. If you are on social media, Facebook, YouTube, raise your hand. You want to die with the devil. He is your king. Regardless of what I've said, you still want to be with the devil. Raise your hand. Oh, Satan, nobody is voting for you. Really? You both don't like him. Okay. Get an image on the screen for me, please. How many of you want to say, King Jesus, I didn't know, but today you've made me aware. You are my king from tonight. You are my Lord forever from tonight. I am giving this body you have given to me back to you. I'm giving it to you. The rest of my life, take me. Do whatever you please with me. And Lord, make sure that respectfully speaking, whatever you would do to get me into heaven, please do it. Raise your hand. I'm not, maybe you didn't understand the question. The way you are voting for Jesus, I'm surprised. Please put your hands down. I'm saying that the kings are two. One is wearing black. And as I said, watching it, you know, who was higher than you. All those who want him as your king and your lord, please raise your hand. The devil. You want to be with the devil the rest of your life. Regardless of the truth you've heard, you still want to go to church on Sunday, etc. Raise your hand. You want to be with the devil. But, oh, sing for me, I have decided to follow Jesus. Those who are saying, King Jesus, tonight, I am renewing my vows. If, if I have not already vowed with you, I'm getting myself ready for Saturday baptism. 
From tonight, you are my king. You are my lord. You are my everything. I am voting for you. I want the whole universe to know that Jesus Christ, you are my lord and my king. Tonight, please stand up. And let the devil cease. And let Satan knows that now you don't belong to him anymore. You belong to the real king. Get up. I'm not asking you for baptism now. We'll talk about it. We have five more days to go. But tonight you are saying, Lord, I will not follow the devil again. I am going to live by this book. Thus saith the Lord. You are my king and my Lord. From tonight I am weak. Yes, I am weak. I do stuff. Pastor says your blood is an eternal blood. It can wash away my sins. Lord, I am starting all over again tonight. Please come forward. I have a reason why I ask you to come forward. Because he's standing here. Is there any pastor around? Join me here if any pastor is around. I have decided, sing. I have decided. To follow Jesus. Adventist, non-Adventist. I'm calling everybody. You want to start all of us again tonight. You are telling the Lord Jesus, even if I die tonight, I am yours. I am giving back the body to you. Come forward. Please come forward. Come. Come forward. No. All those standing behind the wall, please come. Come, I saw you raise your hand. Come from the wall and come front. Come. To follow Jesus. Oh, I have decided to follow Jesus. Please bow down your head. If you are still standing there and you can walk up front, I'm not lying. I speak the truth in Christ. There are thousands of angels among these people standing here. Come. Come. Pastor Brew is going to pray. And hand these individuals standing here over to the king. He's the minister of God. After that, I will pronounce the blessing. And then we are out of here. If you want to come, King Jesus is your king. You want to start all over again from tonight. You are donating back to him the body he gave you. Please come. We are all singing, take the whole world and give me Jesus. After that, pastor will pray. Take the whole world and give me Jesus. Take the whole world and 
Savior. Tonight, God, you have called your sons and daughters into a rededicatory life once again. Dear Lord, we know that the enemy is not happy, but you have said in your word that you knew us when we were clots of blood in our mother's womb. The enemy will never go after anything that the enemy knows that is not good, after any human that the enemy knows that he cannot distract, that is why tonight your sons and daughters have made this bold step. Please accept our dedicatory pledge. Father, accept this step of faith. Father, accept this move of faith. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, no matter the level of our faith and our belief in you, once we have taken the step, O oh God, release your power on us. Release your power on us. Release your power on us. In the mighty name of Jesus, Father, release your spirit into our lives once again. May we run away from the devil. In the mighty name of Jesus. Anything that God you don't like. Please save us from it. Anything that displeases you. In the mighty name of Jesus. Save us from it. It doesn't matter for how long we have been practicing it. It doesn't matter for how long we have been coming to church. But yes, we've not followed you genuinely. But tonight, oh God, watch among every heart here in the mighty name of Jesus and convict us into your kingdom in Jesus' mighty name. That as we step out, oh God, please let us live faithfully unto thee. Now we pray, Father, you know our individual lives. You know our individual battles. You know our individual cries. If there be any addictions, if some of us are in chains of the enemy, if some of us are in the bondage of any form of addiction, in the mighty name of Jesus tonight, dear Lord, please break us loose. Father, please break us loose and set your sons and daughters free that as we have taken the step, oh God, let it be forever. That we have decided to follow you. And we have turned our back on the world. Not on our own. But in your power. So, so let it be according to your wish. And let it be according to your purpose. And let it be according to that which you have said about us. Now father please. Let your spirit come. As a flame of fire. Yes, or into our lives yes, and onto our foreheads yes, and let it be a light yes. in our face yes. that any sin will depart anything that is not of you will depart yes. anything yes. that takes us into this world yes. because of your spirit on our lives 
because of your power in our lives, we will walk in the path of righteousness and we will fear no evil. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. And now I commend you to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. May he take your hands and walk with you through life's narrow path. May he grant you his power to be able never to turn back. May God cause you to be a candidate for heaven. Whether dead or alive or disappearing, may you hear your name being called. Tonight as you go home, may his angels be assigned unto you to be with you the rest of your life. Because you belong to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, may his angels protect and guide you all the days of your life. I've asked in Jesus Christ's name. Let God's sons and daughters 